Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello, good evening, Rush Nation, and welcome along to the Five Yard Rush show. As you'll see, I've got no Hannah today, so it's just myself, Dan. Hannah is off on some tropical Spanish island, summing herself with margaritas. So when you do listen to this, Hannah, I hope you're having a nice time. But... Alas, no, Hannah. I am, however, joined by Mike at Daddy's Home FF on Twitter, as you can see. Uh, Mike, you're a writer for DLF and Trophy Smack. You're a former Scott Fishbowl finalist yourself. Uh, and I've been told you're the lover of all things sandwiches. <laughs> How do you get that title? Factually correct. I honestly don't know. We were, uh, we were joking around one day about Twitter brands and how people can make a brand about something. Uh, Troy King, for example, has his Thirsty Thursdays. Thirsty Thursdays, yeah. Yeah, and someone asked me how it happens, and I said, you can make a brand about anything, and all you have to do is just say it enough. Uh, So I picked something really random uh, and went with sandwiches and just started talking about sandwiches and then stopped. And to prove the brand took, it was just everybody else then tagging me on anything sandwich related, bringing it up on podcasts to prove that you can legit just build a brand off of anything in like five or six tweets. So uh, what became a social experiment and something I do actually love uh, has turned into a brand. And here we are. Well, is this a positive that you do actually love them? Otherwise, that would be head annoying getting all that stuff through, right? For Oh, brutal. Yeah. But no, I mean, realistically, anything like sandwich or dumpling related, I, I mean, anything in the convenience of, of good food, handheld, not needing utensils, like how do you not love something like that? It just makes life easier. So no, totally huge lover of sandwiches. But yeah, it definitely started out as a joke that I, I could turn fans football into account to a sandwich account in a few tweets. So I do feel that before we go any further, before we get into running back some rankings and what we're doing right now, favorite sandwich makeup. And we'll put the subject to bed. Simple. Uh, the Italian is the top sandwich there is on the market. With true Italian cold cuts, though, you need mortadella, you need hot, you need oil and vinegar. Keep mayonnaise off your sandwiches. That yeah. is the classic top sandwich. And anybody who has something different just hasn't had a good Italian and come over to Boston, we'll, we'll show you how it's done properly. Awesome, love that. So, so obviously you do have all the DLF and Travis Mac. What have you been working on? Because I know you've got something pretty big coming up that you guys are, are planning. Yeah. What you got? You yeah, on? yeah. We have a uh, we have a little potathon coming up in uh, in a few a weeks. <laughs> yeah, so it should be fun. We're gonna have, we're gonna have you and Hannah on, which would be great. Uh, we have, I want to say, somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, probably a hundred plus guests at this point booked and slated to go. We're going thirty six straight hours. So. We will start wow. July 8th at 8 a.m. and we'll complete July 9th at 9 p.m. 8 p.m. Raising money for fantasy cares, trying to help kids around Christmas time. Uh, you know, one of my favorite things that I do, it's, uh, you know, it, it's super stressful to get this many people lined up and on schedule. But yeah, it, this year is pretty chill, though. Um, I, I finally switched. Last year, I did it actually all through 
uh, DMs. I just reached out to people to see if they wanted to join. This year, I went to a Google form, and I'll tell you, I probably cut like two or three weeks off the process because, you know, don't tell anybody this. I didn't have the schedule finalized till like two days before last year. Uh, so we were cutting awful close. Uh, but this year, we're, we're finalized early. We have everybody lined up. It's going to be an absolutely amazing show. All your favorite analysts. We have people outside of the fantasy space. We have Tom Everett Scott joining us, uh, you know, yeah. some of your favorite Hollywood stars. And we may have a couple surprises sprinkled in there. I'm trying to book some other folks just to, to, as pop-in guests, but uh, we're going to take a look at maybe some of the live drafts. We're going to talk to some people that have already drafted about what they did in the Scott Fishbowl, what they've seen, so you get some insight into how people are drafting, what it looks like. Uh, and then I'll be making fun of Sal being old for, for 36 straight hours, so that's always fun, too. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I watched it. I was on it last year. It's great fun. You do giveaways, and you have some Scott Fishbowl places last year. I'm not sure if you will this year, but you did different bits. I remember a bit we had Herms on kind of filling in and he was watching and everywhere someone didn't turn up, Herms just jumped on for 20 minutes. So it was brilliant. Um, and if anybody ever knows Herms, Herms can talk for 20 minutes without stopping as well. So Absolutely. Yeah, we, actually, we rewarded Herms this year and we got him a better spot. Him and uh, Gladys, who also jumped on in a really inopportune time for me, uh, now of the 12 a.m. spot. And anyone who doesn't know Herms, the man doesn't sleep. Uh, so 12 a.m. is is peak harm. So we got him an actual schedule spot this year to make sure we thanked him for what he did last year. Awesome. And I'm, I'm talking to him, hoping he's going to join us in a few weeks on here as well. So that'll be awesome. Uh, an awesome show. Um, when was it again? Tell us the dates. Uh, July 8th and 9th. So we will start at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time and we will complete at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard. So that will be your entire weekend. And it's to kick off the drafts of the Scott Fishbowl. So the slow drafts will be kicking off. We'll have people kicking off live drafts at the same time. So it's really to celebrate what is the best part of fantasy football, the best time so of year of Scott Fishbowl. So our London Scott Fishbowl draft is on the Friday night, the 7th here. Our mm -hmm. live draft three divisions. And then on the Saturday, the 8th, we have our expo-type event. We've got UK Fantasy Football Collective. So we've got Bob Long coming over and a few speakers and that here at that. Um, and I think me and Hannah are due to join you guys on the Sunday morning from memory. So yep, that sounds accurate. Morning, probably middle of nowhere for your time. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be one of them weekends. It really is after all of that. So. But anyway, we're here to talk about our, our running backs and our rankings on running backs and so on. So should we get into some actual content that people want to listen to? Yeah, that sounds good. Let's cover some stuff that will actually help people out today. <laughs> awesome. So just quickly before we get into specifics and rankings and players, um, I just wonder what your thoughts were as to the value of the running back position and how it compares to other positions in Dynasty. Because I think we've seen a real shift over the last three, four years or so in it. We have. And I, I think in reality, we've overcorrected. And, you know, people are really trying to take a look at Dynasty as this 10 year run up to perfection, which has scared them off of rookie running backs. In actuality, it's very simple. What you're trying to do is you're trying to get rookie, you're trying to get running back to go on the rookie back. That is the key for rookie value, for running back value. If they're on a rookie contract and have a couple of years, you have your runway. What we've seen now is that second contract has become hard to get. It's really difficult because then it's not cost effective for teams. The NFL, in fact, is a business. People tend to forget that. But overall, what I'm looking for is can I get two or three years of a solid running back on a rookie contract? That way they have value insulation. And if I take a look at my team, is it a competitor in that two to three year window? Mm -hmm. And your answer should be yes. Rebuilding for longer than that is, is horrific. Uh, but yeah. realistically, right now, running backs are of value and they are a simple building piece. But if you're going to go after those Joe Mixons of the world, if you're going to go after those um, James Connors of the world, that's where you better make sure that you hit. Because if you're giving up long-term assets for players like that, that's where you can get yourself in trouble. And I think that's what's really scared people off. But the overcorrection has created a really nice buyer's market for contenders to pick up running backs in the cheap. And I know we're going to talk about some of them in this show. Uh, yeah. But overall, I, I am finding myself getting more and more running backs on my team because people have gone so crazy on the wide receiver position and so overcorrecting that they're just talent falling on our laps and rounds five through like 10 of startup drafts is just stocked 
with talent where people are taking these questionable wide receivers that have never done anything. Yeah. And that's where you fall into that trap of you get Terrace Marshalls, you get Jameson Williams, instead of guys who have actually produced and can't produce in the NFL, take advantage of that before people make that correction back to the mean, which I think they will in the next year or two. Fair. I think we've been spoiled with the wide receiver position over the last couple of years with guys coming out elite from day one rather than mm-hmm. the kind of friendly breakout we've expected them. You know, you can in a startup now lock in a, a Justin Jefferson and be done for eight years. And I can understand the drag to that. But as you say, by the time you hit rounds five to ten, you, you're not much in dart flow. You're getting flex plays, I guess. But as you say, there's solid quality out there that you know will deliver and you know it's going to get the ball during games. So um, I like playing to win a bit like yourself. So uh, I like those guys in that situation. So, um, so rookies then, let's start with the new guys. 2021, we saw two rookies selected in the first round of the NFL draft, Najee Harris and Travis Etienne, mm-hmm. uh, with Javante Williams following in the second. Uh, 2022, surprisingly, there wasn't any in the first, although we did have three in the second. Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, and James Cook all go. Um, Brees Hall came out of that as the clear dynasty 101 as well, didn't it, uh, in the time in our rookie drafts. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year, there's two running backs selected first in the first round. One, BJ Robinson, I think we all expected probably where he went. Uh, Jamar Gibbs maybe a little bit more surprisingly. So, also in the second round, just to sum it up, three years, we've had three running backs taken before the end of the second round because we had uh, Charbonnet taken in the second for the Seahawks. So, where do you see this year's running backs slotting in and how they compare to previous years? Yeah, so I think that in reality, Bijan Robinson is the best that we've ever seen. I mean, that's just a a simple fact, right? This is of anybody that we've seen probably since Christian McCaffrey, you know, this is now the guy that we've been waiting for. He lands in a great spot in Atlanta. You have the draft capital. Everything went right for Bijan Robinson. So that becomes the top, followed really closely by Brees Hall. Uh, Brees Hall without an injury, I would say would be on par, but obviously we have that slight question mark coming off the ACL that drops him just a little bit. Then it gets real dicey because now you have this glut of people. You've now left the elite tier. And the guy you actually mentioned that throws the monkey wrench in all of this is Charbonnet. Like you, you wanted to vault Kenneth Walker into that three spot. Then they go ahead and they spend draft capital on Zach Charbonnet, and that has to put a pause on you. So I think for three, you're really looking at Gibbs being that guy goes to Detroit, super high draft capital, you know, a person they're going to use as, as an all-around weapon. But they went and spent money on David Montgomery, a, a very good running back in his own right, and, and someone who's been underrated really his entire career. Uh, so that keeps him kind of that tier below. I mean, the, the, I'm not talking when you put him at three, he's a lot closer to being six than he is to being one. That's a massive teardrop. Then you have Travis Etienne, who now is competing with Tank Bigsby. You have Najee Harris, who what's he going to look like with the foot injury? And then as we talked about Walker and Charbonnet, who's going to come out of that Seattle situation? And if one person came out of Seattle, I think they jump above Gibbs. But overall, I think that's how I would stack them. So you're looking at a 101-102 situation where you really have top talents. Then you're going to get really messy in that to me, if you're talking about, well, who am I going for? The cheapest one. I'm going for the one that I can get, you know, the best overall. So if I could trade Jameer Gibbs for, say, Travis Etienne plus, I'm making that move. They're, they're close enough for me that I think that's a solid move. Um, but then you have, obviously, Charbonnet falling to that bottom. And James Cook, who I, I literally have no faith in. I don't understand the swell of hype for him this year. I think he's the third best runner on his own football team. And people want to tell me he's a top 12 running back in the NFL. That is fascinating to me and something I can't even touch. Uh, so huge sell for me on James Cook. So overall, I, I think that's kind of how I would have them. I think Charbonnet and Cook fall into that tier three. Najee, Etienne, Gibbs, you really can put them into a blender and, and Walker and see who pops out. But you have those two really special talents who, along with Jonathan Taylor and Christian McCaffrey, make that elite tier of running backs right now. Yeah, I've got the top four there. Bijan Taylor, I've got purely in the evidence of these done it slightly longer. But the quarterback situation there does concern me a little and how that's going to play through. But mm-hmm. we'll see. Uh, Brees Hall and McCaffrey purely probably at the bottom there just because of the years on the on the clock and the, the way 
San Francisco share that backfield a little bit around. So, um, but you are right. There's a huge gap then to the next guys. Who of the existing guard, if you will, still sits near that top for you? Then you know we said about these these guys. You can get rounds five to ten. I'm looking maybe a little bit earlier than that. Where these rookies starting to disperse, and there's a huge like plethora of details where we bring rookies to the front because they're brand new and shiny and elite and so on. But they're probably a little bit too high always for me. So I'm talking guys here like Josh Jacobs, perhaps, uh, Romano Stevenson, Saquon Barkley. These guys are going to be close in that second tier with them, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Bar Barkley to me actually goes ahead of Gibbs in that top of the second tier. And and honestly, if you're talking about most likely to crack that top tier, Saquon Barkley, if he can stay healthy, he has that elite talent. He is what we saw in Bijan Robinson and just unfortunately hasn't been able to keep his health. But when he's on the field, absolutely top talent. Um, the other guy that you didn't mention, and I, and I love the names you mentioned, but I have them a little lower than this guy. The always underrated is Austin Eckler. People, I have to start giving this man respect. He's the RB1 top talent. I have him just a touch below Gibbs because, as you talked about, there are years on Austin Eckler, but I do actually have him ahead of Kenneth Walker and Travis Etienne in my rankings uh, as a guy who slots in really right there. The other guy that I think we still have to mention, even though there's age there that we didn't add into this category, is um Nick Chubb and then the last guy who I, I see you have on the list and I love it because could have a massive jump is JK Dobbins he's the other really elite talent that we've seen before so that's what makes up that kind of next tier before you're even talking about getting to a Charbonnet getting to a James Cook like I want to go through all those elite guys first and foremost because like we talked about on a running back, you're talking only a couple of years. The Jacob situation does make me a little nervous. Um, hasn't signed his tender yet. Clearly was playing out of his mind for a contract. How is he going to play now that he's holding out, that he has to sign the tender? And what's he going to look like long-term? My big fear for Jacobs is in terms of his dynasty value is are we going to have a DeMarco Murray situation? He got an awful lot of touches last year. And if he signs his tender, I think Las Vegas is going to beat the brakes off this man. So I think you're going to get a great one year out of Josh Jacobs and a massive cliff. So I think that if, if you're going for a Josh Jacobs, you better be prepared to win a championship this year or move him mid-season. Because if he goes for 350 touches, that could be the last time that he's even a serviceable running back. I know he's young. He hasn't shown durability in his career. He hasn't shown the elite level talent that he showed this last year. And I'm just afraid that like these teams tend to do, they're going to abuse Josh Jacobs in a way that he might not bounce back the following year. Fair. Uh, or here free agency, like we've got a plethora of guys. And we'll get on to that in a bit. But so when you're looking at these, your rankings from last year and your rookies are coming in, how do you factor in? I'm intrigued to know where you slot these guys in. Is it, what do you use? You use draft capital, landing spot, their combine performance, video analysis. You know what? What kind of details and what kind of weighting do you put on those? So the the first thing for me is always going to be film study. One of the things that I do, and I, I keep my process pretty tight to avoid um, the. Clyde Edwards Hilaire situation, to be honest, we can put a name on it. Uh, what I'll do is I'll go through film starting about December, January. I'm not a huge college football guy. I tend to start watching after the fact. Uh, try to watch every snap. I'm, I'm looking for as many full games as I can get on these guys to determine what type of player they are. Because I not only want to know what type of runner they are, what type of pass catcher they are, but can they pass block? Do, are they making the right decisions to make sure they get on the field? So what I'll do then is I'll actually draw tiers and I'll have my tiers a little more spaced out at this point then I would start to tighten them up after the combine and draft capital. But that's your number one is what I see, what I like about the player. What I won't do is move player tiers. I may drop them out of a tier. If we have like a Hakeem Butler situation for a few years ago where the NFL told you they don't trust this guy, period. Um, Kyron Williams was another recent example of that. But overall, I tend not to move up tiers too much um, because that's when you get yourself into a lot of trouble. Next is the combine. The combine is really a confidence check for me. I take a look at the guys that I have in the tiers. Did I have any of them because they looked 
faster? You know, were there any major disappointments? Again, that we'll use Kyron Williams as that example who came yeah. out super slow. Uh, that was concerning. But overall, I don't put a ton of weight in the combine because if you're fast with pads on, and as long as you stay in range uh, of the combine, you should be fine. Like football players can play fast without being straight line, you know, in shorts fast. I'm not too concerned about that. So what I'm looking for is just major disappointments there. So it's a confidence check. It's not a huge value for me. Then when draft capital comes in, I'm looking for ma massive fluctuation. Landing yeah. spot has the least amount of value to me. I think talent wins out. I, I tend to worry about that, but it has the most for running backs over other positions. So while I weight it less than talent, I weight it more on running backs than wide receivers, as we talked about. We're looking at the four-year window for running backs as opposed to a 10-year. So situation is a little tighter, and honestly, their value jumps and fluctuates after year one. So for me, it's film first is the highest weight overall. Draft Just capital and landing spot, exactly. Draft capital and landing spot come in second, but only within the tier. Combines a confidence check and only if something horrific happens to them. And yep. then situation, and what I mean by situation is their surrounding teammates in the backfield. Um, as we've seen this year, for example, that changes at the drop of a hat. So when I look at, when I say situation and landing spot, I want to be crystal clear. Landing spot is the team, the coach, the system, like we talked about with Arthur Smith. Situation is when we talk about Tyler Algier and Cordero Patterson. Um, that Those are two different things for me, and the, those drop significantly to the bottom. Uh, so that's really where the weighting comes in. But overall, I would say 60 to 70% of the weight is on what I saw of the football player before the draft even happens. Okay. So in terms of landing spot and situation, I guess, there's two this year that come to mind. Zach Charbonnet, we've mentioned, landed yep. behind what was many people's very good Kenneth Walker. Uh, and the other one was a highly rated Devin Shane coming out and going into Miami, which is, I think he's got a great opportunity there. I think he's going to be one of the better backs. There's just a lot of backs there at the minute to try and find a role amongst. Would you factor that in much to either of those? Are you worried about either of those landing spots for those guys? Not worried, actually. I oh, love the landing okay. spot for uh, a chain. I, I don't think he was going to be a bell cow back to begin with in the land in that zone scheme that knows how to use speed, and that's what he is. He's a speed guy. Um, definitely that that played into the way that I rank things. And for Charbonnet, his landing spot definitely played in. They were part of a tier for me that now Chabernet drops lower on and actually below Kendra Miller as well, who is someone I liked coming out on film. So Charbonnet then drops to five. A chain moves up to three for me and Kendra Miller number four. Now, this all hinges on Dalvin Cook. If Dalvin Cook goes to Miami, um, Kendra Miller then moves to the top, Charbonnet, and then a chain. And there's two reasons for that. It's not only just the presence of Dalvin Cook and what he would bring to that offense, but it's also what the coaching staff and the general manager is telling you about what they think about their current stable of running backs that they need to spend that money and roster spot on another running back. So that does factor in, but that plays out well because that was the next tier for me. That was your three, four, and five. So there's a little leapfrogging there because really it's Charbonnet's landing spot was so close. Any other team, I feel like spending second round draft capital, I would have loved. But I think Pete Carroll just showed he wants to use two backs, and now he has two really talented yeah. ones. And I think that would have cost Kenneth Walker last year if Rashad Penny could have stayed healthy. Now Charbonnet is actually dealing with a more talented back than Kenneth Walker, which he they've already come on and said 17 touches. Cool. Well, what's that leave? 12 to 13 for, for Charbonnet? That's not yeah. enough to make a huge splash for a guy of that talent who I was hoping really, I think, is a volume back and was hoping he was going to get that volume and Belkow work to be able to move up to that three spot. The thing with either of those is it only takes a Seahawk back to get injured. And let's face it, Seahawk backs are incredibly prone to getting injured throughout the recent years. So yep. uh, one of those is then going to shoot into that top RB5, RB6 type range, potentially with the amount of usage they're going to get. Absolutely, yeah. I think any injury would would certainly change that. I just, to me, I don't see, Charbonnet didn't have the spark that I think other people saw. We were actually just talking about in the group chat that some people had him pre-drafted as a running back too. That was wild to me. Uh, I mean, Jameer Gibbs is the best receiving back we've seen come out in like seven years. 
and we all play, I think, I, I shouldn't say we all, sorry, I don't mean to be disrespectful to you standard people. I, I, if you like your stuff, that's cool. But most all of us play some form of PPR, whether it be half or full point PPR. And the NFL has really gone towards the pass catching backs. And the best you can say about Charbonnet's pass catching is that he might be better than Kenneth Walker, which is not a compliment. Um, it, it's just saying he's not as bad as the guy they have. Um, so overall, I think that that's really where I don't see Charbonnet's spark the way that other people do. And if Walker gets hurt, I don't slot him right into the Kenneth Walker spot. Okay. I, I think he actually falls a little bit behind and comes in at like running back nine or 10 for me. So I don't see that automatic jump. I would actually have him, the guy we talked about a minute ago, I had concerns about, I would have him at or below like a Josh Jacobs, for example, if, if Walker would. Okay. Fair. So going on to more specifically now, your rankings and what you've got heading forward into draft season and into this year, um, which player for you now has moved up your ranks during this offseason the most? It's Ramondre. I, I think that, honestly, I mean, when you look at what the Patriots do and, and now with that Bill O'Brien offense coming in, they have proven that they're going to hand the ball at the goal line to a running back. And Ramondre getting those high-value touches that he wasn't getting all of when Damian Harris was in town, that move combined with them not spending draft capital on a running back really leapfrogged Ramondre up a lot of people's drafts. Now, I think people are going maybe a little too far on the Ramondre love. Um, so when I say he jumped up my rankings, it's to like running back 10. Um, but I did have him solely at Living 15 on fantasy pros currently. Perfect. Yeah. So I'm, I'm right around where I'd say consensus is, but I was lower than consensus the previous year. And I, you know, I had gone on, I, I am a Patriots fan. I'm from new England and I'd gone right. on a lot of podcasts telling people that Damian Harris will be a major problem for Ramondre Stevenson and wait till he's gone to really expect the Ramondre Stevenson live. So I think we talked about jumping up my rankings, Dan. It's not that I have him over consensus. I think really what it means is that I was lower than most on him going into last year. And now coming to this year, I think it's wheels up for Ramondre. Fair. I've got to come down here. So I've got Rashad White purely an opportunity. Um, mm -hmm. It's going to be there in Tampa. Um, again, another team that didn't use any draft capital. <laughs> Um, on a running back, despite an obvious need, but they had needs everywhere. Um, and now there's Cam Akers. Cam Akers is someone, I was, again, similar situation to Ramon. I was low on last season. He came back from the injury and he played 100% of the snaps in their last game last season. And the last four games, he finished as RB6 on the year. The coaching setup still the same. Again, they didn't bring anybody in for that backfield. I almost feel like they're going to trust him. And this, for me, is going to be a make-or-break career year for Cam Akers. He's either going to deliver or not. Um, I think people are still out of him a little because of the injury and the way it came through and potentially how bad the Rams are going to be looking as the season goes on. But for me, I'll pick up Cam Akers because at the minute he's got no competition in the backfield. It looks like they trust him to do the job. And if he can stay healthy, he's proven that he can deliver a return on the draft capital. So what I'm going to do uh, for the sake of our, our show and um, knowing the show sheet, which the audience doesn't, I'm going to hold off on my Cam Akers talk for now because uh, we're going to talk about him a little later uh, from my side. But for Rashad White, the only thing that I struggle with with Rashad White is the Tucker situation is like nothing I've ever seen before. Um, there's so much to unpack with John Tucker. Uh, a lot of people, myself included, really liked Tucker coming yeah. into the draft season. And we all cooled on Tucker going to the draft because of the weirdness. There was the heart situation. <laughs> then there was the self-filmed combine that he put out on YouTube. Yeah. And talked about how fast he was and then eventually decided to run a pro day. But at that point, draft boards are set. It's way too late. So what I don't know, Dan, from, from Tucker's perspective is how much of his fall was because of the heart issue that we have seen now. Docs have given him clearance to play. How much of it was because he skipped the combine, put out that weird video, and then had an extremely late pro day? And how much of it is his actual talent and does the player just 
isn't good at football. I wish that oddity never happened, and I wish we could have seen what draft capital he actually got because I do believe he would have been drafted. Now, whether that's in the third round, the sixth round, or, or the seventh round, I don't know, man. But he makes me a little nervous because he was a guy going in that we all were looking at saying this could be something. And Rashad White is the only guy stopping him. So the flip side of the only thing stopping Rashad White is Sean Tucker is the only thing stopping Sean Tucker is Rashad White. That gives me at least pause. Now, if Sean Tucker is nothing or if he doesn't make the roster, which is a significant possibility, he's an undrafted free agent, absolutely with the 100%, assuming they don't bring back Lenny, who has not made the news at all except for his SUV catching fire today. Um, So if he comes back, that obviously throws a a wrench into it. There's still a couple veterans out there, and he makes the most sense to return to Tampa. Um, But I do like the player, and I do – would love to see him, especially given that Tampa's not going to compete this year. I would love to see them forego bringing back Fournette and go Rashad White as the one and Tucker as the two and see what they have. And then it could be a significant steal for what his current ADP is. Sean Tucker, for me, is someone that I've picked up in leagues in undrafted free agency after rookie drafts. He's someone I'm picking up in baseball leagues for free almost at the last round pick because you just don't know. There isn't a lot stopping Sean Tucker getting an opportunity on the field that's what I'm looking for at that late stage is someone who, who's got the quickest path to snaps and he's got a very easy path to snaps. Absolutely. Basically. So flip side to that, then which player has gone down your rankings the most during the off season? Uh, it's, it's DeAndre Swift. I, I, I fell hook, line, sinker. I, I was a huge <laughs> fan of DeAndre Swift. Oh yeah, I absolutely was a Swiftie in, in, in both senses of the word. I love Taylor as well. Um, <laughs> But now what we've seen is that drafting of Gibbs was such a shock to the system. Like that was wild. And then to see them move off of Swift and and send him to the Eagles, which I do think is a good landing spot, not a ton of competition. The aforementioned Rashad Penny being, you know, the the big one. I think DeAndre Swift uh, is considerably better than Kenny Gainwell and, and is better what Gainwell does well than Gainwell is. So I think overall he has a better situation because the Lions seem to hate him. But when you look at what they got for him and assuming that they shopped him a little bit, the NFL seems to have a hatred for this guy. And what I will say about DeAndre Swift being someone who loved him, it is extremely disappointing since he came back from his injury to see his seeming aversion to contact. You don't see that planting going through defenders. You see him going down a little easier than than you would want to see. And the talent is there. You see him break long touchdowns, but he doesn't play a guy who is ever going to take advantage of goal line carries. And that is such gold for us in the running back position. So I can safely say I've dropped DeAndre Swift more than anybody else in my rankings at this point. Yeah, I'm a fan of Swift. I think Swift's going to be a solid flex play, mainly on the landing spot of where he is. Um, I think you're going to be very limited RB1 weeks coming out of John Ray Swift. Um, I guess his best hope would be Rashad Penny getting another injury. Um, but I think I wouldn't surprise to see the season and see Penny start as the starter in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, Swift have a, a kind of third down role there. So that's, I mean, they, uh, they have to use them while they can, right? Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Yeah, Penny, it's a bad thing to see how that plays out. He's going to be injured in six weeks, so... Exactly. <laughs> so, um, the one I've moved down most is probably going to be very similar to many people. It's Alvin Kamara. 
Um, there is obviously the ongoing legal situation and potential ban. And I just think even without that, he, I don't think he had a wonderful year last year, RB16. He didn't return where he was being drafted. He's got a new quarterback in town. Um, new offensive coordinator come in. They've got Michael Thomas, potentially. Is he coming back from injury? Eventually. Uh, Taysom Hill's still there. And we saw Taysom Hill take a lot of goal line carries from them. Uh, and they've gone out and got the league's top touchdown scorer in Jamal Williams into the field. So I just don't see Alvin Kamara, one, getting the goal line work off either Jamal Williams or Taysom Hill, potentially missing six, eight, ten games, if not more. Um, and he didn't have a good year last year when he had very, very little competition in that side whatsoever. So, yeah, I don't think I'm going to have a very lot of Alvin Kamara on any of my rosters this year, unfortunately. Yeah, I, th- I think that's fair. And I think that Alvin Kamara is going to be one of those guys that we're going to look back at the end of the season. And either A, you're going to be laughing, saying you won a championship with one of the most talented backs in football. Or B, you're going to be kicking yourself for not selling what we thought was low because he actually fell off a cliff and now he's you know a roster clogger. I, I don't see a ton of in-between for Alvin Kamara because he has become – that guy who getting in trouble, getting injured, that if he's not elite, he's not going to have a spot in the NFL rosters and, and bringing in Williams, going after Kendra Miller, like you talked about bringing in a whole new staff, they're looking like they want to reset the deck here. And if they do, Kamara could be on the outside looking in. And, and as we've seen in this offseason and plenty other before, there's not a huge market for players like Kamara and players that are coming into 28, 29 year old seasons that he could be out of work. He could be the next Dalvin cook, Leonard Fournette type guy next year where you're just sitting there. Wish you took whatever low ball offer you got, but there's no in between. I think Kamara's going to win you a championship or, or make you wish you took that second round pick. Yeah. I just, I can't be on it. There's a, they bought you know, Benjamin in that as well. And they back in the last year. So I just don't think there's, I don't know. We're going to talk more on the Saints in a second when we get to the next question because I've got another Saints running back on there. So let's come on to that one. So which players are you higher than consensus on? We've had a look at where you moved up and down and we've said how that's because you're perhaps lower or higher than consensus on last year and you're readjusting. So this year, where do you feel we are higher than, than the consensus group? All right, so I'm going I'm to read them back with have I have on the show sheet because one of them is an evergreen statement for me, and it's David Montgomery. Every season I'm asked this question, the answer is David Montgomery. Every season we rank him as an RB3, and every season he finishes as a low-end RB1, whether you like him or not. Uh, so I genuinely don't care. We've screwed up again. And you talked about it. Who led the league in touchdowns last year? The guy who led the league in – carries from the one yard line last year and that was jamal williams now david montgomery sits solely in that spot which is the guy who just falls into the end zone jamal williams isn't an elite talent he took advantage of a great situation and fell into the end zone when you're supposed to montgomery getting those carries unbelievable at running back 30 um the second one and we're going to see a theme here and the theme dan is age Uh, The second one, James Conner coming in, running back 33, come on. We have very few bell cows. Everyone says, I want a bell cow, I want a bell cow. And then James Conner sitting there, and they go, no, not that one. Uh, Running back 33, I'm not saying he's a world leader, but this is a running back too. How do you not have him in your top 24? And then last but not least, we talk about teams that didn't add in the draft. Uh, Joe Mixon, uh, running back 18, for real? Joe Mixon checks every box you could possibly want, had a weird like blurb about a legal situation that if you actually read the story, he wasn't even home. If something that happened at his house, yeah. he wasn't there. He has an alibi, like, and it never came up again. And now he's coming back at running back 18. Like, what else do you want to move up Joe Mixon? Elite offense, no challenges at all. We're, we're, elevating Chase Brown for literally no reason. A guy who's a, just a jag that they brought in. He's just as good, if, if not, you know, possibly a little worse than Chris Evans, who they already had and didn't use when they yep. used Joe Mixon. So now you're talking about maybe even getting receiving work. What else do you want to say that Joe Mixon's a running back one than what we have? So we're now rating Joe Mixon's an RB2 and 
David Montgomery and James Conner as RB3s when each of them below belong an entire tier upward. Like, it's not a small correction. It's a major correction at this point. Yeah, Joe Mixon was RB10 on the season last year, and his situation's got better. Yeah, and we moved him down. Yeah, he's, we moved him down. James Conner's James Conner. James Conner's always throughout his career been the guy that delivers, very similar to David Montgomery for me, without being showboy, without being flashy. There's no headlines. You nobody ever goes, oh, i got James Conner at real good value. It isn't a sexy pick, is it? But it is when you win a championship with James Conner sat in a flex spot. <laughs> in, exactly. Uh, like top RB2 spots. Um, my fear on James Conner, and I love James Conner on the back, Cardinals, game scripts behind that kind of theory was, I think, was responsible for a drop in James Conner. It isn't responsible for an RB33 return, though, because that's incredibly below where it should be. Uh, and I'm with you. David Montgomery delivered week in, week out. Stays healthy a lot of the time, which I think mm-hmm. is huge in some of these backs. Um, and actually he's fallen in a great position now where I think they look after him as well. So um, we've got a comment here. I can't find the mouse. Andrew Cooper said he has got a lot of David Montgomery and underdog. Um, and I think that's not a bad shout. He also says they want to swap Mike Falana in a straight up trade to the UK for Lewis Reigns. Now, Lewis Reigns is a good friend of mine, but you can have him. I don't even know who Mike is at this stage. So well, that's that's me. So you, you, is it? Yeah. I don't uh, use my last name Mike, much. You but... You come here, Mike, and they can have Lewis all day long. Can we possibly get you to come here? Because all of Boston hates Coop. Like, everybody in the (laughs) city hates him. So if you could come here, it would be a better thing for our overall um, because we all hate Coop. Fair. I've been to Boston once before. Um, I went to see my Red Sox play at one of the greatest sports fields in the whole of the wide world. Perfect. So you could go every day if you were here and we could get rid of Coop, which would just make Boston a tier up city anyway. I mean, we'd, we'd jump an entire tier just addition by subtraction there, you know? Awesome. Um, so just quickly then, my players that I'm hiring consensus on, uh, we've touched on them both a little bit. First one is Jamal Williams. Um, mm-hmm. We've just said about Saints. Kamara might be suspended. There's a lot of talk about Con- Kendra Miller getting one there, but Jamal Williams is a proven, established back. Um, that I think it, we've all about Kamara will get work. He's been drafted at RB43. Uh, I mean, that's 13 spots below David Montgomery, uh, which is absurd. He isn't going to return you RB1, RB2 numbers unless he gets the touchdowns like he did last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he's a solid play in them late rounds, picking him up as RB43. I expect him to outperform that without a doubt. Easy. Uh, one is J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins caught the injuries. There's been a lot going on at... The Ravens, Gus Edwards injuries, Lamar Jackson's missed time and so on. And just, I'm a huge fan of J.K. Dobbins, the player. Um, I just hope he can stay healthy because I think he can thrive in that offense. They've brought in some some stretch to play, stretch to field receivers now, which I think will actually help him as well. Um, the RPOs, I think Lamar needs to try and look after himself a little bit with some of the hits. So I think we'll see Dobbins get a little bit more usage than he has done in recent years. And uh, he's coming up towards RB16. I'd expect a little increase on that, a little return, but I, I just would like to root for J.K. Dobbins, to be honest. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, we're actually about to talk about a few overrated players that I would take Dobbins over. I, I think he he falls into that low-end RB1 category for me. So at running back 16, it's it's an easy jump. Remember, I mean, the leagues we're playing and you're trying to beat 11 other people. Uh, so go for the elite guys that could absolutely pop through the ceiling. And that's J.K. Dobbins. The offense, the situation, the talent, and the player, if he's healthy, he's a championship-winning player. There's there's literally no doubt about it. He is still one of the most efficient runners we've seen. If you look at what he does per touch, it's still through the roof. It's just the amount of touches because he's been injured that has been stopping him. We saw him come back. We saw what he did. And now he's had a whole offseason to heal. I, I absolutely love J.K. Dobbins this year. Perfect. Flip it again then. Which players are you lower than? Which players are you taking Dobbins over, despite what the numbers say? All right, so I'm going to give you two people that I'll take Dobbins over and one that's a coin flip. Um, so I would take J.K. Dobbins uh, over Tony Pollard. I, for the life of me, I, I can never understand this. When you look at an efficient running back in his role, that people extrapolate this out when the bell cow who takes the beating is removed. And that's what's happened in Dallas is now they've removed Zeke. Still hasn't signed, still has a chance to come back, but we've now elevated Tony Pollard to levels that are 
absolutely obscene. I like the player. He's a good win now piece, but J.K. Dobbins over Tony Pollard in Dynasty easily. The second one is Javonta Williams, um, a much more gruesome injury than Dobbins had experienced. Someone who hasn't come back, we have no timetable for, who's actually falling. It looks like a spot ahead of J.K. Dobbins right now in Dynasty. And I think with Javonta Williams, we elevated him so high because he looked great pre-injury that we have so slowly corrected, and I think we'll continue to correct, but there's no guarantee we see him at any point this year. And if we do, he's going to be a shell of himself. So why are you buying Javonta Williams right now when he'll only be cheaper as the season goes on? And then the coin flip, and this is going to upset some people. I genuinely don't care. Travis Etienne, y'all love him way too much. Running back six is way too high. Uh, J.K. Dobbins is a more talented player than Travis Etienne. And Etienne is a perfect point for what we have that tends to be a fallacy of young running backs, which is some of them come up with another year under their belt. Najee Harris is a perfect example of this, a player they stayed in college for the extra year and then they come out. And what happens is you have these junior and senior players that you then put on the same jump expectation that you would get from a sophomore running back. The the point of drafting upperclassmen is they come in polished and ready to go. Garrett Wilson's a perfect example of that, as is Chris Olave. Those guys were ready to go. They were ready to play at that level. So you shouldn't expect a massive jump from them that you would a raw talent that now has a second year of NFL coaching. Etienne was already in a college system. He already came into a system that was ready-made for him with an elite quarterback weapons around him. There is no reason to think that he's going to get better. And now they've brought in Bigsby, who is a better power runner than Etienne, who honestly, if you look at the numbers, wasn't overly efficient. He was a good player, but not a great one. But we vaulted him on expectation that I just don't see. And I actually think J.K. Dobbins is a better football player than Travis Etienne. So when we put all of that into play and you look at Travis Etienne and their J.K. Dobbins and their situation, you'll get the run-heavy offense of Baltimore and what they've done with really Jags. How do you not love Dobbins? So I, I have that gap is huge and should be a coin flip. The only reason why you might take Etienne over him is because you could then trade Etienne for J.K. Dobbins plus. We had that work. Um I looked at the list here and was like, who do my lowering consensus on? I looked at who you wrote. You've done the sheet first. I was like, okay, but I can't put those guys. And I looked through the list and I looked through the list and was like, no, it's those guys. If he's lower than Miami. <laughs> if Tony Pollard was that good, uh, currently on Fancy Pros ranked as the RB9, he would have ousted Zeke a year or two ago, regardless of contract, regardless of pay. The coaches are watching on the practice field. An elite player, they are not going to sit him because the manager's paying, the owner's paying somebody else. It just doesn't happen. I'm sorry. Don't take that. Agreed. Javonte Williams. I didn't mind Javonte Williams coming in. The injury really scares me. I think he could be a good player. Um, a couple of years ago, when it was Javonte Williams and Melvin Gordon, I was very big on take whichever one's last. They have a 50-50 split. Take whichever one is second, especially in redraft. Take whichever one you can get loud because they have the same role. And they were going 20 places apart as well. It's absurd. And ETN, again, really similar situation. Bigsby is what I have dropped ETN on. I think Bigsby is the perfect flip-flop coin toss player to play with ETN. They are so different in their abilities. Mm. It really is a proper workhorse third down. And it, you can almost see that so so black and white and clear with them. Anybody else? If somebody else had gone there, Miller or Spears perhaps or something like that, it would have been a lot more grey areas to who's who. Bigsby is a proper workforce. Etienne is a bit more finesse about his role. Uh, and I think we'll see that throughout the year. So no, I can't take Etienne there either. Um, so I'm with you on all three of those. And I've struggled to find anybody different to put on that list, unfortunately. That's fair. Yeah, it's, uh, we, we, we vault people quickly in this industry. And it's uh, it, it's pretty easy to spot when you look at the rankings and, uh, and the consensus. So. So, yeah. so just before we finish the roadmap discussion, uh, which player do you think can and potentially will improve their ranking the most over the course of this season? Yeah, it, 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 it's the same discussion. 
Yeah, you, you hit it earlier, and it's Cam Akers. Uh, the only thing stopping Cam Akers from being in that high-end RB2 conversation uh, is the injury. Uh, obviously, devastating injury. The Achilles is, is, has been a, a killer for most. But when you take a look at what makes Cam Akers differently is you have age on his side. You look at just the type of athlete he is, and, and then he came back and showed it. And it's funny because when people use these cautionary tales about the Achilles, they're using undrafted free agents like James Robinson. That That's not who Cam Akers is. And like you said, the people who see him and who know him put him back early and also gave him a workhorse role really shortly after that injury and a guy they have under contract. And now they haven't added anybody with the exception of what Zach Evans in the sixth round, right? Like they, they're telling you what they think of Cam Akers and, and what his recovery is. And honestly, who else is they going to give the ball to in that offense? There's Cooper Cup, Cam Akers, and then nothing. There, there's, there's legitimately nothing. Stafford's good enough to keep the the box a little loose and, and Cam Akers is good enough to exploit it. So I think he jumps through the roof. And I think that people that are shying away from him because of the injury won't be able to afford him really three to four games. in. if he shines rocket ship, because once the Achilles shown it's healed, there's nothing stopping Cam Akers from launching up draft boards. Yeah. Cam Akers for me is something, I mean, I played Dynasty in two to three years and I can win. If I've got Cam Akers and I've hit mid-season and I'm not looking like I'm a proper competing team, here's somebody I'm going to get out on in a hurry because I think the value will be there far more than it will come this time next off-season because you're looking at potentially Stafford's injuries and Cup can get injured coming back this year and I think there can be a lot of change in, in the Rams this off-season next coming um, that will put them down there. So I think if I've got Akers and he performs early on and I'm not competing, I think I'm getting out in a hurry, but I agree. I think he That's will vote up at that earlier. Um, the guys I think will improve their ranking. Two I've got, and I don't know which one to pick on here. So Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson at Washington. I've got Eric Bieniemy coming in. Eric Bieniemy does not use running backs that well. We know that from his time in Kansas. However, he has Sam Howe and not Patrick Mahomes in Washington. So I think he's going to have to fall on backs a little bit more than he tends to. Um, love Brian Robinson Antonio Gibson came out as CMC 2.0 when he first entered into the league and it hasn't transpired if I had to pick one I'd go with Robinson because only when I looked at where they were currently in rankings they're almost neck and neck Robinson's at 36 Gibson's at 38 I think the enemy's how he plays and which one wins out there is a point to a certain extent both have had injury troubles um, I think if one of them does get an opportunity to excel, I think one of them will. Now, I'm not talking about they're going to put themselves into RB1 talk. I am talking about they'll put themselves into top 20 sort of talk from where they are for next season. Um, and the other guy I've got, everyone knows I'm a huge fan of him, undrafted free agent, gone to the Ravens, Keaton Mitchell. You won't understand this at all, Mike. But believe it or not, I'm an ECU Pirates fan, even all the way over here from the UK. ECU Pirates do not have a lot of NFL stars, Barze Jones, who's a star, in inverted commas. Um, so Keaton Mitchell is someone I'm rooting for. I love having a little college to support because I can follow careers of these guys and really root for them rather than have 12 or 15 in the league and you lose touch. So um, I hope Keaton Mitchell does it for his sake and for ECU and all of that lot. I don't necessarily believe he will, um, but I'm hoping so. <laughs> I think it would be a so, great persona, Mitchell. I just think it would be a great running back. I'm glad you gave the context because I looked at the sheet and I'm like, no. Just, just no. Gus <laughs> Edwards is always injured. It's Keaton Mitchell's backfield. Right, no. <laughs> do not ask him to run between a tackle. Let him run 15 yards sideways and then turn and he'll be okay. <laughs> perfect, perfect. <laughs> That's about all he's got. Game Mitchell can be, I think, a very good returner in the league. I don't think he's going to be a very good running back. <laughs> no, that's fair. I just hope he sticks in the NFL. That'll be a win for him there, that way. So, Yeah, exactly. So, um, And actually, after all of this conversation about running backs and where we are and how we're going up and down, we've still got Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette, Ezekiel Elliott, James Robinson. All of these guys have had RB1 
fantasy finishes in their career so far, all sat there without teams and contracts. So everything we've just spoke about could literally be set on fire and thrown in the bin in a week's time, two weeks' time, training camp. Because how many of these guys are going to get injured? How many of these guys are going to be signed somewhere and we go around again? It's all worthless, right? And that's Still the fun of running backs, right? Yep. Happens every single year. So on that note, very quickly, it's not, I think, are you buying running backs on the dynasty teams now or are you just sat out? So I'm buying now. Uh, so normally when you look at the, the micro economies of it, I don't, uh, I never buy running backs pre-draft. And the reason for it is the people who have the running backs on their roster assume they're not going to get replaced. So you're not getting a ton of discount. There's not a lot of fear buying happening pre-draft. Uh, post-draft. Yeah, exactly. Post-draft. Yeah. So you have plenty of that. You'd be like, wow, I wish I never did that. Now, post-draft, this is where you get the panic because now you have these pretty rookies that everyone thinks are going to be stars. So now is the time that I'm, I'm filling out my running back stable. Now, that said, I have a price. I don't overpay for running back because I'm willing to go in. Last year, I went into my, my competing team. I went into week four with Raheem Mostert as my running back, too, and had no fears whatsoever. I um, just didn't care. I'm like, I'll just wait because the prices will come down. And what you'll find is those James Connors, those Raheem Moster types, by weeks start coming, people start getting panicky. You pick them up for 10 cents on the dollar. So it's the buying season from running backs is now, if you see a panic, to like week six, you won't have things situated, but never overpaying for these guys. They're, they're not, they're, they're interchangeable. And that, you know, like you said, they, they change on a dime. The, Training camp can be hell on these players, so I don't have a huge desire to go get them, but I will pick up panic on the guys we talked about. You know, you see Jameer Gibbs going to Detroit, and all of a sudden David Montgomery is not going to touch the ball. I love stuff like that. That that's that that's free points. Um, but those are the guys I'm picking up as the panic guys. Uh, there's no way in hell that I'm trading for rookie running backs right now. Not a chance because everyone believes they're absolute stars. Um, so get your Zach Charbonnets and move them for like Joe Mixon plus and go in your championship. Apart from Keaton Mitchell. Go and yeah. Keaton Mitchell off your way. Yeah, off. go grab him. Yeah, because he's definitely free in every league. He'll be free. He's free. I mean, so much of them. If you like go onto my roster sheet and see how many shares I've got of all my players, Keaton Mitchell and Zay Jones are my top two roster players in all of my dynasty leagues. You have to enjoy what you're doing, root for the guys that you want to root for as well, right? It's a win win. So, that's fair. It's all we're going at the end of the day. Um, Mike, every week we have a guest on. We ask the guests to pose a question to us. They obviously don't know who is coming on next, which is part Mm -hmm. of the fun. Um, So, last week I had Carl Linderman, uh, who's at Luck is Made FF of Rotoballer, on here. Uh, We did the same thing with wide receivers, but he asked a tight end question of you. So, he has asked, Who do you think will be the dynasty tight end? one heading into the 2024 season it is really hard not to say travis kelsey uh it's it's been correct for <laughs> five years longer than it should um but no it, it it's really between two guys um and uh, i'll give you a final answer at the end the two guys that's between is mark andrews and kyle pitch there there's there's nobody else that's going to be the dynasty tight end one after this season um and my answer is going to be mark andrews because i just think that there's too much in Atlanta for Kyle Pitts to take off the way he thought. The drafting of Drake London, who basically does what Kyle Pitts does well, um, just takes that small pie and cuts it in half. So that scares the hell out of me. I think Todd Monken coming in to Baltimore, I think you you see now Lamar Jackson's been signed. Um, everything points to Mark Andrews returning to prominence. And Travis Kelsey has to stop this at some point. So I'm going to say... 2024, Mark Andrews is going to be your tight end one. Travis Kelsey is going to be your tight end two. TJ Hawkins is going to be your tight end three. And Kyle Pitts will be your tight end four. And then Brock Bowers will be your tight end five. And that will round out your top tight ends. And then it'll be everybody else that no one cares about. Yeah, Bill Bowers is high five though, right? Yeah, I think I think people are going to go nuts over him. Um, I think he's going to get huge draft capital, and and we're going to fall for the same trap we fell for with Kyle Pitts uh, with Bowers. And I think he's going to vault up boards quickly. Um, and yeah, he's uh, he's a hell of a player. I, I don't want to you know don't don't want to squash that dream at all. Um, but if we haven't seen by now that that year one tight ends are are 
questionable. Um, we're never going to learn that, so I don't think we learn it next year. And I think he he vaults up draft boards for people. Yeah, I mean, this year, Don Kincaid, Sam Laporte, all these guys are creeping up boards and ADBs as we sit here now. Yep, people are going nuts, and I'm just like, well, and that will have that will happen with Bowers, and what will happen is actually the two guys you mentioned will become probably when you ask me the question of who is uh, going to change their value most, it'll probably be those two yeah. uh, that people will have yeah. overpaid, then panic. It's it's the market fluctuation on tight ends is hilarious to me. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sitting there now, and I'm not a big, huge tight end fan, um, so I'm leaving those, and I'm getting guys like Juwan Johnson. Late rounds, you're getting things like Tyler Higby. You mentioned the Rams. There's nobody to throw the ball to at the Rams. Tyler Higby, thank you very much. That'll do. Yeah. He's going to get his share but on nothing else yeah. that he's on the field, right? So um, he's never going to be an RB1, uh, tight end one, sorry. But um, yeah, in drafts, I'll take those guys and, and stream the rest. So, Mike, I need you to ask a question then for our next guest. It can be fantasy related, it can be strategy related, it can be player related, heck, it can be sandwich related if you really want it to be. Um, you won't know who it is, but. What question do you want us to pose to them? Yes, I'll give you a fantasy one. I I don't want to, you know, make people look silly by giving terrible sandwich takes, which I know they will. I'll Um, tell you off air when you're done who our guest is because you'll know our guest next week. Perfect. I'm sure that'll be great. So for me, um, every every draft class has a guy who who makes – the draft class, the, the one that we didn't see coming that just jumps up boards and, and makes the draft class look so much better than it did. Last year, people were not hyping Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, for example, as as top five wide receivers, and, and now they are. Um, and what I'm always looking for is that gold. So who is a guy who is going outside of the consensus top 12 rookies that has the best chance to be top 10 at his position going into 2024. So who's the guy that you can get in second rounds right now that will be a top <laughs> 10 at their position next year? Keegan Mitchell. Of course. That's who I was going to say as well. Um, I think that that's the clear one. But other than Keaton Mitchell, like there has to be somebody. And I think that one player will make us look at the 2023 draft more favorably than we are right now. Love that question. I love that question. I'll have an answer for you as well. We've got one straight in my head. So before we go, we started out the show by saying what's coming up, the streamathon and lots of bits and pieces. Quick plug, tell everyone where it is, where it is, when they can find it again, and I will leave you to your afternoon, sir. Yeah, absolutely. So SFB Potathon will be streaming basically everywhere. I can promise you if you are on Twitter, if you are on Facebook, if you're on LinkedIn, if you're on MySpace, it'll be there. You'll find it. Uh, so when you wake up, you know, it'll be there. When you go to bed, it'll be there. Just just come join us at some point. Uh, it'll be from 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on July 8th to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on July 9th. I will be a floater. I jump in when things go wrong, when people are bored or, or when we have to shake things up and I say inappropriate stuff. So if you're on and I jump on, just put the kids to bed. Sorry ahead of time, but we're going to have some fun on there. But there's going to be a ton of great guests. People you know, you're going to see folks from NBC. You're going to see people first from ESPN. Like I said, folks from the movies. Hell, we might even get a couple NFL players in this year. We're going to find out, but we're going to have a blast. Uh, we're going to have people from all over the globe. I have people like, like you talked about them. We have people from the UK. <laughs> people from Spain, I have people from Brazil. I have guests joining from Australia, Africa. We are going full global at this point, even Canada, which sometimes I forget is a different country than the U.S. We have <laughs> from Canada, too. Oh, um, from Canada. Yeah, so there, there is legitimately an international flavor, an international feel to this. Awesome. We are going to have so much fun. I had a blast just putting it together. Um, Sal yeah, has been doing this for so long. He did it solo for so many years that we try to take the burden off him. Dave Rights doing the sponsorship. Bob Gilchrist is taking care of the graphics with Stephen Roto. We have Dynasty Outhouse is going to be hosting John Bosch, Scott Fish, Ryan McDowell. Like, who else could you want to see during Scott Fish Bowl season? Then everybody who makes this happen, they're all showing up. It's going to be amazing. So check it out. It'll be on at some point that weekend. It'll be on the whole time. Just jump on and say hi, jump off, do something else, come back. Yeah. We'll be there. Last year, the Sunday, I stuck on my TVs on YouTube and just wandered around the house, went about my day, and it was just playing in the background all day and different people. So I know that guy's voice and went and sat down for five minutes and got up again and left again. So um, I will say you're starting at 1 a.m. Friday night into Saturday morning our time. Our live Scott Fishbowl draft starts at 7.30 that night, and we're in the bar till 2 a.m. 
So there will be probably a fair few Brits. Uh, Bob Lung with us. We've got people from South Africa, people from Tanzania coming in for our Scottish Bowl draft as well to the UK. So I'm pretty sure at 1am as we all retire to hotel rooms, then we'll be sticking you guys on for the opening of the show as well. So I look forward to that. Awesome. So yeah, you're a YouTube I'm expecting inappropriate comments in the in the chat, and if Sal won't put them online, I will. I will pop them all on there, and we'll have some fun with it. Should we do it? Awesome, Mike. Thank you so much for your time. I've actually really enjoyed the conversation. It's been really good fun. Um, I'm sorry, Hannah couldn't be here. Hopefully, we'll get to catch you on the SFB uh, streamathon next weekend or weekend after. Now, um, thank you, sir, and we will see you again soon. Hopefully. Awesome. Thank you. Happy to be here.